Chapter Eighteen of Miss Inglis by Gertrude Hall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Eighteen. Teresa came to Grace with an air of secrecy and chagrin. My dear child, Red has told me of your misfortune. I don't know what to say. I was never so mortified in my life. Such a sum, too. How did you come to have so much money on hand? You know it's never wise. We have to be careful not to put temptation in the way of servants. Oh, yes. Red told me that nothing whatever was to be said about it, so that none of their feelings might be hurt, and I agreed. Only you mustn't think their feelings are quite as fine as yours, my child. However, I think it a good plan, in this case, to keep still, so as to put them off their guard, whoever is the thief. I will manage to have their rooms quietly searched. Do you remember the denomination of the bills? Today is the cook's afternoon out, which will simplify the matter of hers. Sam has a room in the basement, and he's at the stable a lot of the time, so that will be easy. Then Ellen will be taking the cook's place, and I'll pin down Kate to some piece of work in the laundry. Then there's Nora. No, no, not Nora. I wouldn't for the whole world that Nora's room should be searched, cried Grace in pain. We may find the money before we get round to hers, but of course... We mayn't find it at all. They may have taken it outside the house, or it may be, it most likely is, someone from outside who stole it. It wouldn't be difficult. We're all so careless about catching the glass doors. Grace, my dear, in view of this theft and the lesson it is, hadn't you better let me have your pearl necklace to keep for you? I will put it in the safe. Not one of these old bureaus has a key that locks. Haven't you any other jewelry you'd like me to take care of for you? I have nothing of any value. My mother's things Lydia took with her, all but her wedding ring. That's all right, then. Red has commissioned me to be your banker, up to any figure you choose to mention. But my suggestion is that you keep very little money on hand, and ask me as often as you need more. Wait a minute. Here are two twos for you, and a one. When Grace passed Nora with her tray that day, she slipped by without a word. She could not bear to meet the small, pretty eyes of Irish blue with black lashes. They were acquainted now, she and Nora, because she often spent an hour at aunt Miranda's, and nora would be in and out waiting on the old lady when grace read aloud from the book of psalms nora would stay and listen with a grave and recollected air grace preferred to think teresa moved by prejudice when she disqualified nora for an unmingled respect and trust by relating that she brought home from her far-spaced afternoons out, an unnatural cheerfulness, along with a breath that roused misgivings. The honest, motherly, so human Nora, and now her room was to be searched. But how could this be done without her knowing it, when her room was right next to Miss Miranda's? She would discover. She would ask what the impertinent rummaging meant, she would be told that Miss Inglis had missed money, and would believe that Miss Inglis 
Ed suspected her of having stolen it. Grace could not breathe for the misery of the imagined scene. She wrung her impotent hands and was yielding to the need to cry when, what did it? A thread seemed to snap that had held a blind in place, whereupon illumination. She need not suffer this torture of shame. Nora's room would not be searched. Nobody's room would be searched in reality. Nobody had stolen the money. Teresa knew all the while where the money was, having subtracted it herself, or had it subtracted. And why? Because Red had told her to. And again, why? Because he wished to make sure that Grace could not go away. A degree of excitement pertained to this conviction that robbed it of pain and fear. The instinctive reply was defiance. Grace rejoiced that she had already earlier that morning as a result of the night's counseling taken the next step on her side of this incredible game she could wait with confidence and be amused with watching machinations doomed to failure grace had no name she did not practice at twenty-two the self-analysis rendering a name necessary for the quality that would have made death rashly preferable to having her will bent by that of clarence overcome or any other belonging to the sex boastfully called the stronger her dear father always accepted in the person of clarence overcome above all the arrogance of man must not conquer with her battle mood cooling she began not to feel so sure of a thing for believing which she had no ground but a flash of intuition she brought reason to bear upon that strong ungrounded opinion it must have been red's glibness in explaining the quicksea episode which had created the detestable suspicion that he lied teresa in talking of the lost money had shown the same glibness she had reminded grace ever so much of red paradoxically the two of them overdid naturalness when she was entirely calm grace refused to harbor such dishonoring and unjustifiable thoughts the difficulty was that having once seen the thing in that way she could see it in no other an hour or two later sita surprised her by revealing a disposition to make up the act of apology being at best full of awkwardness grace was eager to ease it but found this solicitude of hers uncalled for sita's embarrassment took the mask of an extreme disinvoltura between that and grace's ideal of charity in a few minutes the faults of the past were wiped out and all was restored to the happy point of friendship preceding the break there was laughing there were caresses glad as if of an odor of flowers after vulgar and defiling fumes Grace yet longed after a good bit of it to be free from Sita's society. To manage an escape tactfully, she put on her things to go out for a walk. "'May I come, too?' asked Sita, with the thoughtless precipitancy of girlhood. A marked pause followed. "'I am afraid,' Grace hesitated. "'It won't be much fun for you. I shall not want to talk. I want to think.' i shall like it all the better sita gushed 
fervently, because it will be treating me like a real friend. You'll see how still I can keep. All I care about is just to be with you. None of the family made any remark to Grace concerning a situation that could not pass unnoticed. The lover's quarrel was not counted as making any essential or final difference, it seemed. Preparations for the marriage were sturdily pushed on. Grace found it easiest to play the same comedy as the rest, passivity on her part amounting to that. It was not in the nature of things that she should expose herself to the dreadfulness of telling these people the truth about the quarrel. If she had refused Teresa's invitation to come and help in choosing the silver that was to be the wedding present of the United Valters, it would all have had to come out. What she thought of Red, what she thought of the rest. Better, oh, infinitely better for everybody, that the silver be bought and even marked. In permitting this to be done, Grace was not saying to herself that the great shining store would never be hers. She had not said to herself that she should never marry Clarence Overcome. Among uncertain and battling thoughts, one of the steadiest still was a faith that sometime, somehow, after bog-holes waded and tangles of forest passed, after repentance and regeneration, a way would lead back to the light and all be according to heart's desire. But first she must go from that house, one thing at a time. Her immediate and absolute demand was for release from that smothering house. So she bestowed a languid attention upon the question of the silver, that so much, so much silver, could be meant for a single wedding gift, a single happy couple, taxed belief. Teresa went on and on buying, went on, perhaps a little ostentatiously, buying. Had Teresa any idea, at the back of those handsome black eyes, that she was buying her grace? This thought sprang into the girl's mind at a gesture of Teresa's as she held up a filigree basket of rarely exquisite workmanship to make its frosty silveriness sparkle in the light, that Teresa was doing what she could to win her, if not to buy her, was manifest in the reinforcement of her jolly friendliness. Verily, a precious sister-in-law second to none in power among a family which it were good and profitable to join. The attractive results of doing well for herself in marriage Teresa enlarged upon to Grace with not very delicate art. When the two had gone to the new house to see whether a rug sent on approval toned in with the wallpaper, her crude handling of the subject gave, indeed, one example more of that carelessness through which older people sometimes underestimate the brains of younger. The matter of the rug having been discussed, she drew Grace down to the sofa where Claire had once sat with her, when the room was blue instead of yellow, as now. Though Teresa's movement appeared casual, Grace, because her spirit was on the alert, felt it to be calculated. It's a beautiful room, Teresa said, after going over it with her eyes. The many mirrors, the rose garlands, the crystal sconces. 
grace thought so too as she now looked at it with knowledge of the fantastic sums it represented she remembered her old original feeling about the house that it was folly to suppose it would ever really be hers a beautiful room teresa repeated red tells me he is going to have a baby grand piano for this room built on purpose for you dear me perhaps it was meant for a surprise well if so i've done it and may as well go on a gold piano gilt that is to say with hand paintings of love and flowers have you ever seen the kind i mean it's a french idea i guess this is to be your own especial parlor so it will be nice to have a piano in it for your very own besides the big rosewood one downstairs if you want any books in this room as you are sure to you studious little thing you must have them specially bound a promiscuous lot of books wouldn't do pale brown leather with gold trimmings would be the right thing i should say you know red will let you have just what you want he'll spoil you to heart's content you are one person who can get anything she pleases out of red or make red do anything it comes near being pathetic the way that boy worships you a lucky girl i call you this is a beautiful house grace i don't see why you shouldn't be as happy in it as the day is long it's rather different from the way i began my married life let me tell you i fancy it's rather different too from the way you've been accustomed but of course a house is only a house a background the life in it is more important than the house and i don't see why you can't make your life as brilliant as you choose red is a genius at business the firm is making money of course but red with his instinct for investments is coining it on his own hook he will be richer and richer you will be able to do what you please you can entertain on such a scale you can gather around you exactly the set you want i dare say you would like brainier people than our set let me say rather people brainy in a different way it takes brains you know to do business successfully you can have your fill of artists and poets and pianists don't tell me that they don't care about good dinners i've seen them at it once or twice red can adapt himself to any crowd can hold his own anywhere there isn't anyone mark and remember this grace there isn't anyone has got a better brain than red see him among your artists and musicians or scientists or politicians see him anywhere you could put him red would stand out red would be found to have as good a head as anybody present the best head in sight most likely and that fact would tell you'd always have reason to be proud of red it's the wife settles the matter of the society she gathers in her home it rests with you to be the greatest swell in town of a high-up refined sort all the money you want the best of everything a beautiful house beautiful dresses for red not only is willing to give you beautiful dresses he is keen to you couldn't be extravagant as he would see it in the matter of dressing he loves a pretty woman 
and it takes clothes to make a pretty woman. You know it as well as I do. You can bank on getting whatever you want in the matter of clothes and jewels. With all these things, as I was saying, I don't see what there is a girl can want more than you've got to make her perfectly happy. Grace entrusted to her silence the mission of passing for contented acquiescence so that she need say nothing in reply. She was looking down with a pensive air that could have been mistaken for that of a bride impressed by the good fortune falling to her share, while she was, in fact, asking herself whether Teresa might not get some whiff of the thought in her mind, and see a likeness between herself and the probably quite eloquent personage who had before this shown to more than one soul, no doubt, all the kingdoms of the earth in one vision with their glories resentment so fired her that she could not refrain from looking up and squarely at teresa to let her judge how easy it would be to buy her with a house and clothes or any of the things she had mentioned if teresa's fine eyes which permitted so little to escape them of a kind saw nothing in graces but their charming clearness and pretty color it was because she was really stupid so far as grace was concerned or else because in the very next instant grace afraid of what might follow upon an unguarded utterance had forbidden her eyes to tell teresa anything in the night claire the old claire came sighing to the door of her heart the fairy prince the deliverer Claire the wonderful, the tender, who had filled her days with beauty, to whom she had vowed the love and loyalty of a life. He was there, unchanged. Her heart could not keep him out, or wish to. She complained to him, with its certainty of sympathy, about this stranger, this red overcome, who usurped his features, one who showed no honor or compassion toward orphans one guilty of brazen untruthfulness, one capable of conducting himself toward a woman in sore distress of mind and body, as a chivalrous gentleman would not conduct himself toward an afflicted monkey, among the pages of whose past, moreover, were passages kept hidden from her. What was it that everyone in the house knew, herself excepted? She wished, in the sad blackness of a clouded, thunderous night, that she might have laid down her life for Claire, and wished with the same passion that she could die to be rid of the horror of red. End of chapter 18